0: Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in Hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers. (sighs) 785-833. Welcome to episode 320. Jody Messina will be on in a little bit. She's got a bunch of number ones. I mean, some of the songs you'll know her from Bye Bye, 1998. Here you go. 1998, I'm All Right. Heads Carolina, Tales California. Lesson and Leaving. So she has an interesting story. She moved to Nashville, wasn't really trying music after she moved here to try music, got in a talent show. We'll talk about that. Who she took out as an opening act, kind of as a flyer, and also who, her two major hits that weren't even number ones. So Jody Messina coming up in a little bit. But first, let's do our new music top five. All right. At number five, Walker Hayes has a new song called You Girl. Here you go.
1: Guys like me like girls that look like you girls
0: So the question is, because this song is nothing country, because he just now Pursue Pop, is that what this, Mike? Yeah, I think you follow it up, Pursue Pop. Just pers- yep. I, I think the same thing. Like, I could see where Fancy like because of the message, because it was a, originally a song sent to country. It's a country song. Yeah. Some people would say, well, sonically it doesn't. Okay, we can go through all that, that, that song and dance if you'd like, but the message of it is still like, hey, we don't need to do crazy fancy things to get along and have a good life. This is not a country song. It is not. In no way whatsoever. So how cool would it be if he Guess couldn't I make it as a country artist, but made it bigger as a pop star? I mean, I could see it. That's a different, different, if you can make it, that's a whole different grade of money, too. Yeah. Like, I hope it does well. I'm interested to see what TikTok does as well. Meaning, since he's a TikTok artist, do they naturally support him?
2: Mm.
0: Because they have even said that there are certain songs that if you use... They will amplify those videos. So is this one of the songs they choose to do that with since his first song was a TikTok song? I would hope yes. I would think, because there are artists that we've, over the years, not in the last couple years because we've kind of got off that train, that we've discovered or broken, and we kind of stay with them. Yeah. So, but, like, no chance that he's trying to make that a country song. I don't think so. Okay. But that's Walker Hayes, You Girl, my number five release this week. At number four, Adele has a new song called Easy On Me. That album comes out November 19th. Here is Adele, Easy On Me, in case you haven't heard it yet. I can't wait to hear a bunch of people butcher this song. (laughs) You can hear the covers coming I can hear the covers coming. Oh, no. Before this song was out, we knew the name of it. Mm -hmm. So I tried to guess what it would sound like. Yeah. Do we have that clip? I do. Here you go. Are you easy on me? (laughs) Well, wow. Do you love me too? Because you left now I'm sad and I think that I want you back easy on me boom then the orchestra yeah. comes in that played her version again same thing <laughs> that's it on me, now play my version again are you easy on me that's pretty good oh though. wow do you love me too cuz you left now i'm sad and i think that i want you back hey are you easy on me? oh, oh <laughs> that's pretty good uh, number 3 Miranda Lambert has a new song called, If I Was a Cowboy. There's a new album from Coldplay. What's interesting to me is they said a couple years ago they weren't going to tour unless they could reduce their carbon footprint to zero. Mm-hmm. So if you go to their show, because they are going to tour, they have a dance floor, and as you dance on the dance floor, it gives the, in- the stage energy.
2: It creates electricity.
0: There are also bikes they're putting that create electricity as well. You ride the bike while they're performing. Yeah. Wild. Pretty cool. If it works. Oh, it would just suck if everybody's lazy when you get there. And <laughs> you know, like Coldplay's ready to play, but there's no lies. nobody wants to ride the bike. And they're like, guys, come on, we just, let us do yellow. <laughs> uh, but they have a new record out today. I like Coldplay. And I say that on the way that I know a lot of people like to say they don't like Coldplay, but I like Coldplay. This is their ninth album. They have a BTS feature, Selena Gomez. Here is Let Somebody Go featuring Selena Gomez. And
1: number
3: one,
0: Ryan Hurd released his new album, Palago. Here is a new song called The Knife or The Hatchet. That's my vibe. That kind of song. I like Coldplay when I sing those kind of songs, too. Orchestral Coldplay... Or Dance Coldplay. Like the anthem stuff? Yeah, not my version of Coldplay. I still like Coldplay, but I like you know, a Rush of Blood to the Head Coldplay. And they continue to do that. A little less and less each album, but I love that version of Coldplay. But I just love sad songs. Uh, So those are my favorite five releases. There are other albums that almost made the list. For example, Jason Isbell has Georgia Blue, but it's a cover album of all artists from Georgia, and I think they're donating the money. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. Kelly Clarkson has a Christmas album. We talked to her on the radio show. You can go hear that. But Ariana Grande, Chris Stapleton, Brett Eldridge, all on that. So uh, a lot of, lot, of, lot of music out. You know, the Casey Musgrave story is interesting. She's been deemed ineligible for the country album Grammy category. This is so good for her. She doesn't need something for her career, but it's so good for her career. How so? Because everybody's talking about it. Oh. Nobody's a fan of every, Everyone's. A, the, it's hard to say this. There's no artist that everyone's a fan of anymore. Okay. There's no artist that everyone knows anymore. This is, is keeping her, they're not even, she may not even been nominated, but now it's a controversy um. that she's not even allowed to be nominated. It's not like she was nominated and they said, you can't be nominated. This is, if the Raging Idiots, our dumb comedy duo put it, and they were like, well, you guys cannot Ineligible. be considered country. <laughs> we should throw a fit because that's what the press is coming for. This is just free mm. press. Yeah, and, and my thing on Twitter was, as Forrest Gump said, but we modify it. Country is as country does. If you claim to be country when you put something out, it should be considered country. I don't think you can be T-Pain and an award season comes up and be like, my record was country. But if you put it out and it's listed as country and the data is country and it's, you know, when you go to Apple Music or Spotify or iHeartRadio and it shows you that it says country, that's, that should be considered country. You chose that. And so I think she's kind of getting screwed over here. But what's great is all the free press she's getting for a pretty good album. I it wasn't going to win anyway. Not my favorite Casey album. Like it. Like it more than most uh, every other album. But for her, I didn't feel like it was what I was hoping for. Um, but hopefully now she puts out her In Your Face Country album next just to kind of <laughs> piss everybody off. <laughs> yeah, Like super country. Super country. But I think, I think this is great for her because people are talking about it. Randy Travis, honored by Garth Brooks, Kane Brown as an artist of the lifetime at the 2021 CMT Artists of the Year. So Garth Brooks welcomed Randy Travis to the stage. Pretty cool to see. It's also cool to see all the artists that still love Randy Travis. We just shot a top five things you may not know about Randy Travis the other day. Which his real name is not Randy Travis. He has, I think, like three. is an Mm -hmm. odd name. Randy's his real name. Then he went by Randy Ray. Then I think Merle Travis was one of his favorite artists. So then he changed it to Randy Travis. But kind of an an odd Randy Travis story is when he was a kid, he was in trouble a lot. And so there was a woman that owned a club who took him and was like, okay, went to the judge and was like, I will be the person that's in charge of him. Don't put him in jail. And so he was like a late teenager, maybe. He ended up marrying her later. (laughs) They're divorced now, but ended up marrying her. But yeah, so many number one songs. Uh, The... Think about this. They asked me to host that show. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. Like three months ago, CMT called and said, "Hey, would you host the CMT Artist of the Year?" And I was like, "That's pretty cool." I said, like, "Can I do jokes?" Can I? They were like, "You can do whatever you want." And I was like, "You're gonna let me write my own monologue which would have meant me and you writing my own monologue. Yeah. <laughs> um, do they're like, "Yeah, have at it." I had a conflict had a, a contractual conflict that didn't allow me to do it. I would have loved to have done it.
2: Dan, you got Casey Musgrave. I
0: said yes <laughs> to doing it, and then I was then told I can't because of another obligation that I have do it. So it was very cool to be asked to do it, and I was already writing bits in my head, And but then I wasn't able to do oh, it. So they went cool. with no host. So I was going to roast people, too, <laughs> in, in a good way. It was going to be a good, fun roast. I, was, I had it all planned out in my head. So... Uh, super cool for them to ask, but I wasn't able to do that. The Coldplay story with the dance floor with electricity. Um, we talked about that. Let's see. Anything else? What's the Machine Gun Kelly story?
2: He's in a feud with Slipknot. Why? It started who, at, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it started, they played the same festival at the same time. Yeah. And then he dissed them while they were playing, made fun of them. And then the lead singer of Slipknot released all these things of them like doing a collaboration... So they basically hate each other. He was mad because he asked the lead singer of Slipknot to be on a song. And he told him, hey, the song's not for me. But Machine Gun Kelly made it seem like he didn't want him on his album.
0: Oh, Machine Gun Kelly got hurt because he said no. Yeah, he
2: got hurt because he said no. Because he's like, eh, doesn't fit my vibe. Not for me.
0: Wow. I'm surprised that someone from Slipknot would say no to Machine Gun Kelly, first of all. Yeah. But g- good for, what's his name, Corey? Corey Taylor. Good for Corey Taylor for going, you know what, it's much Publicity is it probably give us? It's not for us.
2: Yeah. So he didn't want to do the verse. Pretty cool. Uh, what do you think about Machine Gun Kelly? I like him.
0: That album, I, I that's
2: totally my vibe. Like the pop punk vibe. Like that is like what I grew up on. So I like his sound. Him as a person.
0: Eh. Yeah, weird as a person, weird. But at least it's consistent. Yeah. Watching him climb ACL and hang off. Do you see him stick his legs in that pole yeah, and I, hang upside yeah, down yeah, like, so like 20 feet in the air? Yeah. Did he? Was he attached to anything? I don't think so. That's stupid, then. I think he just does that. (laughs) That's stupid. Because at law law of averages, eventually you're going to do it enough times, something's going to happen to you. Yeah. Uh, All right, that's it. Um, We'll talk to Jody Messina in a second, and we'll talk about Billboard Top Hits that have debuted at number one, right? Yep. Like, they they entered the chart at number one. So we'll do that um, in a second. This festival and concert season will be all about the Boots.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Seuss Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, Jody, how are you?
4: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. So, most of these we do at my house because the person usually lives right down the road. You are the outlier where you don't even live in Nashville, which I forgot you live in Georgia, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, ha, where like what town are you near? You don't have to say exactly where you live, but where at are you, in Georgia are you?
4: Um, over by Peachtree City, about it's south of Atlanta.
0: So, when you moved to Nashville, did you move from, I'm assuming that's where you grew up, and then you, when did you move back? No. I grew up, grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. You did? How in <laughs> the, the world did you... The
4: home of country music.
0: Yeah. How, how did you end up in Georgia then, of all places?
4: Oh, uh, it's just a God thing. I really felt like he wanted me to move here. I didn't know anyone at the time, and I didn't have any family here, but I was like, okay, if this is what you want.
0: <laughs> what was your move to Nashville trip like? I mean, were you...
4: Oh my gosh.
0: I, mean, were you already I was playing young, around just and... got out of high school. Yeah.
4: And so I was going to move to Nashville and get a record deal. <laughs> that was my plan. I didn't realize it was everybody else's plan as well. I just, I was just, I think I was so naive back then that it was beneficial because I was singing in like clubs and restaurants and stuff. I started when I was about 13 or 14 years old. And so when I graduated high school, all my friends went off to college and I was like, well, I'm going to do something about this career or um, or go to school, you know. So I finished out the gigs that I had left on the books and my brother drove me down to Nashville and left me there (laughs) to find my way. And I was like, "Okay, I'm going to get a record deal. But I didn't have a clue. that That's why everyone else was in town.
0: (laughs) What gigs were you doing, you know, before you moved to Nashville? I mean, were you doing just covers? Were you singing country music like because to me, Oh yeah. Boston now is a massive country music market. I'm up there a lot. My shows on in Boston. But what was Boston like back when you were a kid?
4: There was not a lot of country music up there. People thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was weird. There was one station and you could get it at certain times of day and then it
0: <laughs> it didn't
4: come in, you know, during the major parts of the day, but um I relied on a lot of records and cassettes back then
0: (laughs) did your family think that you were nuts for moving to nashville tennessee from boston to pursue something that it's really hard to be uh even to make a consistent paycheck in
4: i at that time i mean we didn't know we just knew um nashville wasn't what it is today it was you know you could walk down music row and you know actually cross the street with no traffic (laughs) there were sidewalks and all the little publishing houses were our little houses and um you know, my mom just was like, okay, you know, this is what you want to do. I trust you. And my dad <laughs> was like, you need to get a real job.
0: <laughs> did you get uh, a real job like a lot of folks have to do when you move to Nashville?
4: I did. I didn't sing for the first two years that I was there. Um, I had a job as a bartender, which was really bad because I never drank anything in my life. So I didn't know what was what. I didn't last long. Um, I did some accounting and data entry. And it's when I started entering talent contests down there for money is when I started to actually get out and sing.
0: So you moved down here to sing. But again, why did it take you so long to actually hop out and do these talent contests or anything for that matter?
4: Well, then there was not the like Broadway like it is now. Broadway had like maybe one gig. You know, there was not a lot of places to play around town. Uh, which seems ironic because it's Music City, but for a newcomer, you just had to wait for the open mic nights or the talent contests and things like that. So um, the first couple of years, it was really just trying to keep a roof over my head and and get to know people. And I I was I pretty much kept to myself. So that was it was just, it was a strange time, I guess.
0: <laughs> what year was that when you moved to Nashville?
4: Ninety four, maybe no ninety. Maybe it was nineteen ninety one.
0: Yeah, it's funny that. You bartended and you haven't had a drink of alcohol. I also have never had a drink of alcohol. And I try to think of myself. as Oh, be- I
4: have now. But uh, at that oh. age, I didn't.
0: <laughs> well, I still, I haven't now. <laughs> I and have I wouldn't know what the crap I was doing. It, I would just have to read it off a book and be like, okay, I think this is it. Because I wouldn't even taste it to, to make sure. Well, they did.
4: They had the little index where you could look up stuff. But I didn't know what color they were. Someone would say, oh, it's all the, don't don't quote me, everybody. I have no clue about mixed drinks. But um all the all the cl- all the clear liquor or all the dark liquor or and I was like okay what's the difference what you know I was just totally blind to all that I was clueless my drinks must have been horrible
0: So you're working you're you're entering these talent contests you win or you finish you know enough to be in the money And so, does someone come up to you and go, "I won"? You did. They they come up to you and go, "Well, (laughs) you just won. You should actually like try this somehow."
4: No. So, what happened from that point on is I won five hundred dollars, which is like huge. That's all my monthly my bills were for like a month and a half. And so, um, along with the money, I got a chance to perform at a radio show, a live radio show. So I went up there and I performed on the live radio show. And then they kept asking to have me back. And so I became a regular on the radio show every Saturday night. It was called Live at Libby's. It was out of Daysville, Kentucky. It's nowhere around anymore. But um, that's where my producer, Byron Gallimore, heard me and called the steakhouse where it was you know, broadcast from. And he was like, hey, you know, I'd love to talk to you about putting a demo together. So,
0: <laughs> so he heard you sing on the radio. You were performing from my steakhouse, called The Steakhouse, to get in touch with you Mm -hmm. or did he actually talk to you through the steakhouse phone?
4: I think I talked to him on the phone. I got his number. I got his name. I had been promised so much by so many people. I threw it out Yeah, and then went home to see my family. Now that was the first time I had gone home for Christmas. And so I went home to see my family. That's all I cared about. And, um, went back to Massachusetts for a couple of weeks, then came back to Nashville and, I was like, maybe I should got, I guess I should give that guy a call. So I researched, you know, he said he worked at Pride Music Publishing. Um, so I called there and was like, Hey, I was, some guy called me before the holidays and they're like, Oh, that was Byron. So, um then I met with him and he talked about a plan on putting a demo together. He was working with a kid named Tim McGraw, who had a deal. Um, he had a song called Welcome to the Club at the time. <laughs> if anyone even remembers that song, but Um, so he's working with this kid that just got a record deal and I thought, okay, maybe he's legit.
0: And so you guys start working together and do you start recording immediately or does he have you going out and, uh, pursuing rights or listening to songs? How does it work before you actually make a record?
4: Oh man. Um, and how long we had done a couple of showcases for people and we're getting feedback remember, I grew up singing live. So that was my, that's my comfort zone. It's like to be on the stage and when that's, I'm more comfortable there than in the studio. Cause I don't like the sound of my, my voice coming back in my ears. You know, I'm sure when you first started, you know, recording your voice and then you heard it back, you're like, oh, I don't sound like that. So I was more comfortable on the stage. So we had done a few um, showcases for, and writers got ideas and would start pitching songs um, for a project. And it took a long time to, a couple of years maybe to put the project together because they were after that McGraw had, um, Oh gosh, get Indian Allah and then, uh, don't take the girl I think was right after that. And that's when everything started getting crazy. So our opportunities to get in the studio were getting, you know, pushed back a little bit because they were just crazy busy. And so that's what the time process was.
0: Um,
4: and what the delay was in that
0: whole situation. <laughs> your first number one, 1998, here
4: is Bye Bye. Bye Bye, love, I'll catch you later. Gotta let down, I'm accelerator and the rear view mirror torn off. I ain't never looking wow. back.
0: So was this your first single or was it your first single that went number one? Did you have one before this? It didn't.
4: We're just going to love this one. One of my teammates. Um. My first single was "Heads Carolina Tales California,"
0: which and is that which is bizarre. My it, Maria, <laughs> and I, want, <laughs> I, I was going to get
4: around my Maria.
0: I was going to talk about that. that's the wildest song to never go number one. "Heads Carolina Tales California," like I can It can't,
4: did on some charts, like the smaller charts, but Billboard and I think R and R. It sat behind my Maria forever.
0: That is just some bad luck that two of the biggest country songs of all time are on the <laughs> chart at the exact same time. Do you ever want to kick Ronnie and kicks in the shin and be like, hey guys, come on, let me hop up there a spot.
4: They were my first major tour. So no. <laughs> I learned a lot from them touring with them. And they were just so kind to me. And their crew was kind to me. And they, they gave everybody the speech, you know, when we first started, like, whatever, whatever they need, you know, just see to it that they have it, take care of them. And we were just spoiled rotten on their tour so no but <laughs> we did have bad luck or not bad luck but we did have that same luck again with lesson and leaving but and that song
0: fast forward a few years after that <laughs> who sat at number one that time
4: one star
0: oh baby
4: i'm amazed, amazed
0: wow you.
4: eight weeks eight weeks we were at number one and two
0: That's crazy. (laughs) So let let me rewind for a second. So Heads Carolina, Tells California, um, which we still play on our Mm -hmm. show. Because, I mean, that song just transcends every form of music, every form of it it doesn't matter. It's such a good song. That. Thank you. Was that your first ever single? And if so, it must have felt like a rocket ship. Well, here's the
4: deal. We were done with the album. And Tim Nichols, who's one of the writers on there, had called me and said, because he saw me at a showcase and he's seen me around town singing. And um, he called me and said, hey, I wrote this song. And I was wondering if you would listen to it. I'm like, dude, we're done. We're done with the record, finally. And he's like, please let me just leave it in your mailbox. Listen to it. And then let me know what you think. And so he did. He left it in the mailbox. And I was like, man, this song is really catchy. I love the chorus. I'm not crazy about the opening two lines but I'm going to play it for my producers. And I played it for my producers and they're like, which is Byron Gallimore and Tim McGraw. And they were like, Oh man, we got to cut this. And I was like, yeah, but I don't like the first couple of lines. And so they're like, well, ask him to change it. And I was like, okay. So they did the only studio time that was available then was on the 4th of July. So we actually cut it the 4th of July before it was released.
0: And so as you cut it, were you already, <clears throat> this is a single. Like in your mind, were you cutting it to be a single or were you cutting it just to get it on the record and see what would happen?
4: We were cutting it to get it on the record. And then as soon as we passed the record in, as soon as we passed it in, they're like, okay, this would be the first single.
0: Do you remember what the lines were that were changed? We sh- to have known it the
4: day they cut that paper mill down. Or shut the paper mill down, sorry. There'd be no future for us no more in our little town. I've got people in Austin. Ain't your daddy still in Des Moines? And I was like, oh, and can we change Austin to Boston?
0: Because I really <laughs> do have
4: people in Boston. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so that, that song about.
0: peaks at two. And then you, okay, so then Bye Bye comes out. <clears throat> And did you mm-hmm. feel like a little bit, because Bye Bye Again, such a great song. Did you feel like a little bit that the chart the chart people felt like, okay, we need to make, because she got such a raw deal with Heads Carolina, tells California, we need to make sure there's nothing else <laughs> in the way with this one.
4: I don't think they were aware. <laughs> I think it was just the song itself. Um, I saw, uh, they pitched, EMI pitched it to me. It was a Phil Vassar song and they, um, uh, I loved it as soon as we heard it. And so, and that one had a different first line too. The, the opening line for that was a uh, "Girl, you sure look pretty there standing in the doorway in the sunset light." And, and when I sing, it, it's like "Boy, you sure look good there standing in the doorway." And I remember when, before we cut it, Phil Vash was like, "It's not a song for a girl; it's a guy's song." And so <laughs> he still says that today. He's like, "That's not a girl's song; that was written for a guy." <laughs> so, um, but we we love each other. But he's yeah, we got. Bye bye,
0: that came out. And, uh, then, and then I'm, I'm all right Yeah, same year. I'm alright. Yeah, here's here's a clip of I'm Alright. I'm all,
4: I'm all, I'm all right. It's a beautiful day, not a clown So I guess I'm doing alright. Oh, oh,
0: so when I'm looking back at just kind of the timeline. So Heads Carolina tells California comes out, crushes, but stays at two. Uh you're not in Kansas anymore followed that wah, wah. If, now it was still a, to, a top <laughs> a top 10 song to be fair was still a top 10 song uh, how many singles were on that that first record though
4: was that the one they released did it make something of it was that on that album and then he'd never maybe maybe four because I remember we were trying to buy time to get to the next album and so we were to complete the record and that was a process back then because you had to go around listen to the songs and then you had to um put a playlist together, bring it to the producers, they'd go through it, they'd cast out the things they didn't like, they'd bring it to the label, the label would cast out things that they didn't like, then they came down to a small list, and then they'd play it for friends and see who, you know, who liked it and what people thought, and it took forever. It took forever to make a record.
0: Well, when that second <laughs> record comes out, 1998's quite the year because you also had Stand Beside Me, which was A number one song as well.
4: Yes, it's written by a man.
0: And here you go. Here a stand beside (laughs) beside Not in
3: front of or behind me.
0: So you gotta be feeling pretty good. You got three number ones in a row here. And at this point, are you headlining (laughs) the big shows now?
4: Um, we didn't start (laughs) headlining until like we were kept being an open act and opening act. And then they're like, okay, you're going to have to step out on your own. And so we started to step out on our own. And there was a new group that was out and I loved them. And I was like, oh my gosh, they have to be my opening act. And we have to find out how to get them. And people like, ah, they're not (laughs) going to last. They're a bunch of young, you know, pretty boys and (laughs) and they're not going to last. And you don't want them on tour with you. And I was like, oh, but I love them so much. And that was at the beginning of uh, either 99 or 2000. It was 2000 where we took Rascal Flats out with us. (laughs) (laughs) And they opened for us, (laughs) or for me.
0: This festival and concert season will be all about the Boots. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted, audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer, and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. ...alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest... ...and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates... ...for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer... Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer By becoming a partner in Hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight. And just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. 23 years ago, I'm All Right came out. You landed your first number one. Dang. 23 years ago, this year, Now, when it hits number one after, you know, three or four songs that didn't, was it a relief? Like, hey, I I finally arrived. Like This second record, we knew we leveled up. <laughs> and like, I have a number one, so it's game time. Did it feel like that at all?
4: I never really had that mentality. I think my mentality was always one of gratitude. And when you're in the midst of it, you're trying to keep up. Like you have a number one song. It's like, oh my gosh, how's the next one going to do? Okay, we got to work really hard. We're going to make it happen. We got to, you know, it was like constantly fast moving everywhere, going everywhere and to all the radio stations and to, you know, to do all the like, you know, will you come play for our lunch or will you come play at this mall or would you, we were just chasing it constantly. And so, and then if you look at the award shows. I told someone this the other day. I don't think people realize this. But, you know, my songs were things that I wish that I could say. Like, I want a man to stand beside me, not in front of her, or behind me. Because for some reason, I had a tendency to date jerks. And so <laughs> I loved that song because it was like the strong woman I wish I was. And same, with the, same thing with Bye Bye or I'm All Right or all those songs. So the reason why people gravitated towards those songs was the same reason that I gravitated towards them. I was like, man, I wish that was really my heart. So you take all those songs that did well on the chart you throw in award shows. I remember people, because they're very tough songs, (laughs) but I wasn't tough. I was like really insecure and I'm like, I'm so ugly and I'm so gross. And so you put me into a dressing room at an award show with Faith Hill and Martina McBride and Sarah Evans and Trisha Yearwood. (laughs) And I sat in a corner. I would put my, I'm like, I did not even feel worthy to be in the presence of those girls. But due to the strong songs and all the lyrics, everybody thought, oh, my gosh, look how stuck up she is. Mm. And I'm like, really going, oh, my gosh, I can't get too close to you. Like, you're so beautiful. I can't I don't I can't even exist in your presence. So (laughs) I would hide in a corner at the the award shows and Um, just hide out. So I never really all that to say, I never really reached that hey, I'm there. I'm so cool. I right. got this. I'm a big deal. I always felt grateful to be there. And like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm sharing a dressing room with Martina McBride.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, for me, you know, it, it, a lot of it comes back to CMT and back in the 90s and early 2000s and seeing you in a music video seemingly uh, constantly. You know, it was like you you, you seem to always have a, a big music video on. You know, I, I bet it was pretty cool to just be in random places and even a restaurant, see yourself pop up on TV as on a music video.
4: Um, Yeah. And then you start to sink down in your chair like, oh, I hope nobody realizes that's me. <laughs> <laughs> if you're at a restaurant. But uh, speaking of videos and number one songs and et cetera, we, so that my first headline tour was the, Bur- the burn album off that album came. Bring on the rain, bring on the rain. Um, was already out for a while. People had already heard ring on the rain and they kind of threw that out there as a single to buy time for the next record, you know, to just kind of buy some time at at radio and try to keep us out there while we're making a new album. Well, dang, that thing shipped, you know, it ships like two weeks or it used to ship like two weeks before it's ad date. The ad date was September 10th. And so if we were going for ads on Monday, then September 11th happened. And so and this is all going back to your video, your point about the video, but we were going to do a video because we're like, we got to stay present. We got to stay out there, but we didn't have a treatment and we didn't know what to do the video on. And so right after September 11th, people were suggesting, you know, oh, you got to make it about the Twin Towers. It has to be about, you know, September 11th. It has to. And I said, wait a minute, this song has been out there for a while. People already have their own story behind it. And so they're like, yes, but everybody's doing, you know, September 11th and patriotic and American. And I was like, I felt really uncomfortable trying to take that song and make it about a tr- such a tragedy because that's not w- why it was written in the first place. And so, if you ever watch that video, there's no story depicted. Go watch the Bring On the Rain video. I'm doing nothing but sitting in freezing cold water singing a song. <laughs> yeah, that,
0: that's interesting because I, you know, I'm just looking at kind of the timeline. Two- 2001. I mean, the song goes number one in 2001, but th- it was a September ship date. I mean, everybody was lost for for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Just creatively, everybody was lost everywhere all the time. I mean, that, again, was an odd time to be a performer and already have something out there. And that's kind of weird. They would ask you to change that, even though people already already had the song and knew what it was about.
4: And they had their story like, oh, my mom was right. suffering with cancer and this song helped me get through it. Or my brother, you know, I lost my brother in a car accident and this song helped me get through it. Or I've just been going through depression and this song helped me through it. So they already had what that song meant to them. And I was like, I, I can't yeah. take that from them. And it just didn't seem right.
0: <laughs> I do want to talk about your live shows for a second. Um, recently, I was playing a show in, in Wichita, Kansas, and there were you know, probably 3,000 people there. It was a good show. We had a good night. And one of my, uh, one of the people on my radio show is a, a big fan of yours. And she wanted to come out and she wanted to sing Heads Carolina. And so she comes out and she's singing and it's a big moment for her. But what I can remember is everybody singing so loud over the top of her because that song is so beloved. Like I have to imagine that when you sing it, you can almost just say the first couple of words and everybody else just takes it away because it's, it's so known and so loved.
4: We have the in ears, so that helps me to hear my vocal. But then we also record out front, and we also sometimes will video to see, you know, how things are placed on stage and how things are working. <laughs> I always laugh and I talk to the front of house guy. I'm like, I don't even know what you're doing. Like, you can't hear the speakers. Like, it's heads Carolina, it's less than I'm leaving, it's bye bye, it's stand beside me. It's, I mean, there's so many songs that are so even bring on the rain. It's like. They, you start the intro with the guitar, you get off into tomorrow's another day, I'm thirsty anyway, and then you can just stop singing. <laughs> then It's so loud.
0: You're, you're touring now. <laughs> you get tickets at uh, JodyMessina.com. Because, again, you have yeah. so many big songs, and I don't want you to spoil the whole set list here or anything, but what in the world do you start with?
4: Oh, man, it depends on the show and the length of time the show is. So if we are on a big festival and they give us a shorter time slot, and these days I'm going on in front of a bunch of guys, Mm -hmm. uh, we just go out and slam it. We hit the ground running up tempo, slamming, rocking, 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 rocking. Thank you. Good night. Cause we don't want to bring the crowd down again. Remember I grew up singing live, so I always had to win the crowd over when I was little. Cause when I was 14 and 15, I was playing and you know, restaurants and bars and they could care less it was, they like drink and mingle and they weren't there to listen to music so i try to design that set to just be right to the point it's a set of number one songs
0: you guys can check jody out jody com. she's i uh, got shows all the way i mean heck you have shows until july of next year i'll say this about you too you performed on our, <laughs> on our radio show and you are so good like just vocally just so pure and we still talk about how you came in and you started singing and we're like well she still sounds maybe even better than we remember
4: i sound like the record (laughs) um i think i just sing all the time you know it's i don't just sing when i'm on stage i sing at the grocery store i sing at you know my kid's school or i'm always singing or whistling or it's so it's never something that i get time off from um, and I love it, and when I'm home, like you, you know me, <laughs> I relate my relationship with Jesus. like this Sunday, we're having a huge worship night at my house. So I'm leading a bunch of people all night, so I'm singing for hours on Sunday, and then I'm singing while practicing, leading up to it, and I'm just writing and I'm writing, so I'm singing while doing that, So I'm just constantly, constantly singing.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's I what hope, I do. <laughs> hope you guys go check out Jody on Instagram at Jody Messina, and then on, again, she's on tour Jodiemessina.com. I'll end with this. Because, you know, it's just wild. I think one of the clips that I'll end up cutting from this, not cutting, but highlighting, like taking out and highlighting, mm-hmm. is, is the fact that two of your biggest songs were at two because two of the other biggest songs of all time as well just happened to be out <laughs> at the same time. Which is just a wild story that Lesson and Levin and Heads Carolina were both number two songs. Because as far as country music goes if you were to make that list of biggest country music songs of all time, like the top hundred, like they'd be in in those charts, those categories, those shows that were made. And so the timing of that, pretty terrible. But as you're an artist and you're established and you start to see new artists come about, and, and I, I'm thinking about this because you mentioned Rascal Flatts. And I think of a Luke Combs now, uh, a Sam Hunt at one point, Morgan Wallen, artists that show up and just like mm-hmm. smash. And, and it's like, wow, here they come. They're like a locomotion. They they're so big, so quick. Who did you see? What you know in the late '90s, early 2000s? And Rascal Flatts can be one example where they where you were like, "Holy crap, they're so good and they're getting so big so fast."
4: Leanne Rhymes. Yeah. That <laughs> was a constant battle at the label because we were on the same label and be like, "Oh well, she's got another record coming out. We're gonna push her single back. She has another record out, and, we, and it was huge. It was like huge. You couldn't even keep up with it. Never. I mean, it was." Huge at the
0: time, and she was also sixteen when she. I think she was
4: fourteen. Was she fourteen I when think. she hit? She was fourteen.
0: Yeah. Well, Jody, you are the best. Thank you for spending a little time with me. And if you, sure. Again, thanks for hanging. If you guys can, can go see Jody on tour, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, thank you, and I hope you have an awesome rest of the day, and hopefully, I'll see you in person soon.
4: I hope so. Take care, Bobby. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.
3: Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered. Travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like imagine you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things and financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785 That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833.
0: So I have a list here of Billboard's top hits that have debuted at number one. Meaning, these are the songs that as soon as they were out, hype, promotion, artist support, it went immediately to number one. Got it? Got it. Rare. Only 57 songs have debuted on the top of the Billboard Hot 100 out of more than 1,100 number one songs.
1: Okay? Okay, I'm starting to think, like, what could these songs be?
0: Right. Here are your top, top ones. Number one, the day was 1995, September 2nd, 1995. Okay? okay? He was the first ever to accomplish this when this song debuted at number one. Here, playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I love this Michael Jackson song, and it never gets credit for being one of the great Michael Jackson songs. I wouldn't even put it in top five. I forgot about oh, it. Would you put it in top 10? Well, now that I heard it, of course. Oh, I loved You Are Not Alone. Mariah Carey Fantasy. Number two, 1995. This is the roller coaster video, right, Mike? Is this that one? Isn't it? Where she's on the roller coaster singing? Whitney Houston, Exhale, Shoop Shoop,
3: 1995. (laughs)
0: This was from that movie, Waiting to
1: Exhale, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: There were, The number four, and these are all the biggest songs to debut at number one, Mariah Carey and Boys to Men, One Sweet Day, was number one forever. It's It was number one. It stayed number one. I felt bad for any song that came and tried to be number one during like a three-month period. Three months? Mike, wow. you may look and see how long that song was number one, see. but
1: I'm going to guess it was over 12 weeks. You're right, because they can't predict that. Like other artists trying to plan, like, all right, we're going to put our song here. Yeah. We're going to try to get three months. I bet it was over that wow I would bet that it,
0: it could have been as much as six months that's crazy I remember the video coming out and I thought I cannot believe these two artists are together it's the greatest thing ever <laughs> you thought that 16 <laughs> weeks so four months that's unbelievable this song was number one Uh Puff Daddy and Faith Evans don't play the clip yet what song did Puff Daddy and Faith Evans I don't believe?
1: even know who Faith Evans is you don't Mm-mm. I mean the only Puff Daddy I'm thinking is with Biggie but what's about Biggie it was about big. Every breath, I, every breath you take. I'll be missing you. I'll be missing hey, you. Hey, dad, same song. <laughs> same sample. Hey, I'm a dad. What, I, what can I say?
0: Mariah Carey, Honey, debuted at number one. Mariah Carey, killing it. Yeah, I think she gets lost in the mix of greatest pop stars of all time. Jeez, no kidding. But she definitely is one of them. Like, if you had a Mount Rushmore of pop stars, I think Mariah Carey... I think you put Taylor Swift on there now.
1: Is it maybe because she's diva? Like, do, do people in the industry not like her so much that... Yeah, but no a one... pop, that doesn't matter. No, yeah. Because you're right. We don't put Mariah Carey up there. I don't. Mariah Carey comes up to my mind when I think Christmas. And that's it.
0: <laughs> what do you
2: think about when you think of Mariah Carey, Mike? I mean, I think of the 90s, these songs. And then mainly for her
0: being married to Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think of Tommy Matola more than I think of Nick Cannon.
1: <laughs> who was which, he? That was when one she of her was husbands? young, that
0: was her first husband who oh. was running Sony. Wow. At the time. Uh, candle in the Wind from Elton John. And it seems to me
4: you lived your life like a candle in the
0: wind. Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. Those are two movie wins in a row. Oh, no, Candle in the Wind was, wait, was, was, was uh, die. Pr- Marilyn Monroe slash mm. Princess Die. Oh, is that right? Right, Because yes. the first time it was written, it was Marilyn Monroe in mind, and then he kind of changed it a little bit for Princess Diana.
1: Really? Didn't know that.
0: Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On, is Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. Another movie one, though, is Aerosmith, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. And they're only number one on the Billboard Hot 100. <laughs>
1: Crazy rock legends. Mm-hmm.
0: Want- Lauren Hill, doo I'm gonna play you this one, but I'm not gonna tell you who it is. Okay. This one debuted at number one on June 28th, 2003. Number one with a bullet. Here you go. I've been
4: waiting
0: for it sounds like a praise and worship song now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is it not? No.
1: Who is this? Is it a praise and worship artist? No. <laughs> I have no idea who this is. I don't think I've ever heard this song in my life. It was a debut single for this person
0: after they won American Idol. Oh, Clay Aiken. Clay Aiken. Yeah.
1: What's that guy doing now? Is he still singing? I, I, I tried to run for office in North Carolina. I didn't win. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Okay, see if you can name this number one from 2004.
1: Ever heard that? that Macy
0: Gray? No. Bit of vocal texture, the same. It's American Idol, Fantasia.
1: Fantasia! Her first single after
0: winning American Idol. Wow. Uh, people forget the cultural impact American Idol used to have yep. on. Just everybody, all the time. Uh, Carrie Underwood, at number 13. I'm going to do it to 20. Inside Your Heaven, American Idol. Yeah, American Idol. Idol.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> See if you can name this one. 2006. Okay, this is the next time that one debuted. Think American Idol.
1: Go ahead. For sure, it's Daughtry. No, it's
0: Taylor Hicks after he won American <laughs> Dang Idol. Dang it. So look at that. We have four in a row. Number one, 2003, 4, 5, and 6. The only ones those years to debut at number one. Fantasia, Carey, Taylor Hicks, and uh, Clay Aiken.
1: But going with your whole thing of like hype and everything, th- this was the ultimate hype because the Biggest game show, show was leading up to these, sing- these singles. Mm-hmm. They'd sing it at the end when they won. Yeah. And what did they win? A record deal? Yeah, big one. For like a year?
0: A full deal. It's not a record deal is only short if you suck. They can cut you. Right. But, oh, but they, but they usually you owe, sign it to yeah, like. So you owe them so many records. Got it. It used to be record and management. It used to be, you know, quite sticky. Now not so much because they know people won't come on the show anymore. Mm. If you you owe them your whole life when it's over. Yeah. Back when that show first started, I think you gave them your middle name. You know, first three kids is a whole deal. Uh, Britney Spears number three. This is the name of the song.
3: 2009. One, two thousand nine. <laughs>
0: I remember that song, but heard it at the club. Is the club? <laughs> Come on, man. Eminem, not afraid. Kesha, we are who we are. <laughs> yes. Kesha has a new show coming out where she goes and hunts ghosts, and about. Three weeks or so, they said, hey, Kesha wants you to come and shoot this show with her. And I was like, Kesha wants me to come shoot a show with her? They're like, she goes and she goes to these haunted places. I, I have no interest. It's not about Kesha. The don't, ghosts Yeah, so they, they want me to fly out to San Francisco and like go stay in some jail overnight or something with her. With
1: Kesha. Yeah. That'd be great. On her show. See, that's the whole thing. This it's would be like good Ke- for your career, man.
0: Kesha's Creepies or something. Do you have a story about that, Mike? Yeah. Kesha. will explore haunted places in a Discovery Plus series called "Conjuring Kesha." Okay, that's what it is. That's what it
1: is. What are you? Do- what are you, are you even thinking about it? You already said. no? I Already no? said no. No. What are you doing? I have no zero. First of all, no. Second of all, no. <laughs> <laughs> and third of all,
0: I don't want to do no. that. It's not about Kesha. It's not about you know. I. You just don't want to mess I, with I ghosts. I don't. I don't want to go and spend the night in a jail in San Francisco with ghosts. You believe
1: in ghosts? No. Then why aren't you there? The
0: whole experience doesn't... It's, I don't know. I just said no. It was an easy... Man, I would have said yes in a heartbeat. I like Kesha. I think I've only met her once. I don't know her. Yeah.
1: But I, I like, I like her. I like her music. We were on a flight with Kesha. That was crazy. We were? Yeah, to Vegas. And she was sitting about three rows in front of us. You remember this? Yeah, now that you say that. And, I, was and, she in first class and we weren't? I, no, it was Southwest. So oh. there was no first class. I remember because I, <laughs> I wasn't sitting in a first class seat when Kesha was
0: on a plane. Um, all right. But would well, you have done that show, Mike? Yeah. Right? Why not? Also, the timing was weird, but mostly it's about ghosts. Now I'm making every other excuse because you guys are shaming me. Uh, Britney Spears, Hold It Against Me.
4: If I said my heart was beating loud, if we could escape the crowd somehow.
1: That's the club right there. If
4: I said I want your body now, would you hold it
3: against The songs me?
0: start to get a little worse, though, as should go down the list, do yeah. <laughs> Like, songs that aren't lasting that long. What was Britney's song that was like, If You See Amy? Oh, If You Seek Amy? Oh, If You Seek Amy. Did you? And that's what it was. Did you get it? No. If You Seek Amy was the name of the song.
1: So is there a play on words there? And we play it, yes. If You Seek Amy. Oh, that's sneaky. And so the radio station
0: should be playing If You Seek Amy. And we're just idiots.
1: (laughs) So you guys were singing it too the whole time?
0: You remember that song? Yeah.
1: Let me pull it up. How long? When did it come out, though, that that's what it meant? No, you knew immediately. Oh, you did. I would have sang this for years without knowing. Here.
4: She don't go Can
3: somebody take me home Ha, ha, he, he,
0: ha, ha, ha. Me, hate me Say what you want about me But all the boys and all the girls Are begging to F-U-C-K-me be Love
1: me, Whoa. Me.
3: All the boys and all the girls Are begging to F-U-C-K-me Wow, that's
0: crazy
1: And radio played it like dun, 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 dun. That's crazy I had no idea Now
0: I can find a million dollars For something that nothing to do with anything <laughs> That was like Gaga with Poker Face mm-hmm. Wait, what, what's that? There was, in that little, in the sample she used, right?
2: Yeah. It said efferface. face. Yeah. And only one radio station caught it. was Kiss in Los Angeles.
1: Dang. And she knows the whole time, so they're probably like.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of Lady Gaga, Born This Way, debut number one, 2011. In okay, this is a good one that's lasted. This, is, this one's been strong.
1: Track, baby, I was born
0: this way. And then Katy Perry has one, Part of Me. Here you go. Yeah, I don't know that one. No, nah, I don't either. She was just such a massive star for a while that anything she put out would show up in yeah. a big way. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's it. Thank you all. Eddie, thank you. Thanks, uh, man. You guys check out the award-winning Sore of loser. Yes, podcast. I
1: love that. The award-winning. We won an award last week. There you go.
0: Thank you. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. and Takovas is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tecovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tecovas store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today.